Hey, thanks for listening to Cornerstone Church. You can find us on the web at akcornerstone.org. And we want you to know it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit will use this message to either save you through the good news about Jesus Christ, grow you into the likeness of Jesus, or send you to proclaim Jesus in the Spirit's power. Well, let's open our Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Verse 1, I'm going to read verse 1 as I did last week. We got about half of it covered last week. We're going to get the other half covered this morning. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Last week, as we looked at that verse, I asked and answered two basic questions. The first question, we need to pick up on those because what we're going to say today is related to the first two questions. The first question was this, what are we to build our lives upon? Paul tells us right here what we're to build our lives upon. We're to build our lives upon the mercies of God. He says, therefore, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. He's talking there about what he has just shared in the previous 11 chapters. The mercies of God. The incredible thing that God did to save us in mercy through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so Paul opens with Romans chapter 12 as he prepares to enter into the practical section of the book and says, based upon all the theology and doctrine that I've given you in 11 chapters, therefore, I appeal to you, I urge you that you, by the mercies of God, do something. So really, that's a worldview statement. That's a statement that is to be the driving force of our lives to determine who we are and what we do and why we do it. It's the mercies of God because of who He is and what He's done. We're to give our lives to Him because of who He is and what He's done for us through His Son. That's His mercies. The Christian life is a life. You see, Christianity is not a life that is fixed up and improved. The Christian life is a brand new life. It is a Life made possible because of the death of Jesus in payment for sin and the resurrection of Jesus in victory over sin and death and hell and Satan. It's a brand new existence. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone has 
put their faith in Christ and been placed in Christ by the Spirit. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You see, we are made brand new. We stand before God as you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You stand before God in an entirely different reality. Before condemned in sin, now righteous and accepted in Jesus the Beloved. Brand new creation. Brand new standing. And the Holy Spirit then comes to live within us as followers of Jesus, to enable us to live the new life that God has given us in Christianity. And that new life is to be a life so overwhelmed by the mercies of God that it lives this new life as an act of worship. That's the other thing that we looked at last week, that Paul appeals to us, brothers, by the mercies of God that we do some things in the end of the verse, which is your spiritual worship. We're going to look at the things in the middle in the meat of the message today. But last week we looked at the beginning and at the end. We're to live lives based upon the mercies of God and we're to do that as a life of worship. It's the only reasonable response to our, to the mercies of God, and that is to live a life of worship to God based upon those mercies. So that's the second question that we answered last week. First question was, what are we to build our lives upon? The mercies of God. Second question was this, how are we to build our lives on the mercies of God? And the answer is by a life of worship by a life of worship. So that's the overarching principle that Paul sets out, that the way that we are to build our lives on the worship of God, on the mercies of God, is that we are to live our lives as an act of spiritual worship. I'm going to give you another verse that is very similar to this, that'll help a little bit later in the message to understand what Paul is saying in the middle of this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. This is the same author, Paul, writing to the church at Corinth. And here's what he says to them in 1 Corinthians 6, 20. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Based upon the mercies of God, live your lives in spiritual worship. Another way that you could say that is, since you were bought with the price, the mercies of God, which was the death of the Son of God, therefore, since you were bought with that price, then glorify God in your body. Live your life as an act of worship to God. 
So, let's just dig a little deeper into that as we come up to the third question that I want to ask and answer today. The real you, words that we could describe who the real you is, we could talk about your desires, your motives, your longings, that'd be your heart. I'm not talking about the organ that pumps your blood, but the essence of who you are, your heart, that's the seat of your desires and your motives and your longings. We could talk about your mind. Your mind is the seat of your convictions, your life philosophy, the decisions that, you're, that you make. Those are the real you. They are the unseen, intangible aspects of you, but they're the real you. But here's the question. What is the vehicle through which the real you, your heart and your mind engage and intersect the world? What is the venue through which you take your desires and your convictions and your longings and your philosophy of life and your decisions and engage them in day-to-day living? What's the venue or the vehicle through which you do that? It's your body. It's your body. Your body is the expression and the thing with which you engage the tangible realities of life. Your body is what expresses your heart and your mind. Your body is what carries out what's going on in your heart and in your mind. It's how you relate to others. It's how you pursue your aspirations. That's the same thing that Paul is saying in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 6.20, glorify God in your body. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So here's the third question that I want to dig into today. What is a life of worship to God? If question number one was, what are you to build your life upon? And the answers are the mercies of God. And question number two was, how do you build your life on the mercies of God? And the answer is to live a life of worship. Then question number three is, how do you live a life of worship? What specifically is this overarching principle going to look like? And what Paul does in the middle of verse 1 is he explains that with some statements. And we're going to just look at them now to get an understanding of what a life of worship looks like. And the first thing that he says is that by the mercies of God, we are to present our bodies. Present your bodies. A few different 
points here that I want to draw out. First of all, the point is this, the physical body. He's talking about the physical body. There are a few that try to interpret this as just a generic statement about the whole person. But that's not the word that he used, nor is it the context in which he's, with which he's talking here. It's very explicit that what he is saying is that he wants you to take your physical body and present that physical body to the Lord. If you miss that, you miss the key thrust of what a life of worship is going to look like because a life of worship is expressed through what venue? The desires of your heart and the convictions of your mind are expressed through what venue? It's your body. The worship that you have for God in the depths of your heart and the convictions that you base your life upon that flow out of the worship of God in your heart find expression in the actions of your body. And so Paul says, take it all the way to the end byproduct and present your bodies, your physical bodies to God. Secondly, When we present this physical body, how are we to do it? Scripture in the Greek, Paul uses the, the verb there for present. He gives it in the aorist tense. And here's what that means. It's something that you do once and for all time. It's something that you do that becomes a permanent reality of your life. This presenting of your bodies to God. That's something that should be the reasonable response based upon the mercies of God as you live a life of worship. You're to bring your body to God. Come to the point where you make a concerted decision. I am going to give my body to God from this day forward. That's what the Greek form of the verb means. And then what you do from that point forward, you don't repeat that. You just simply act based upon that once and for all decision. So you're not to jump in and out of this, yeah, well, today I'm going to live all for God, and but I'm going to do that really on Saturdays and Sundays as it kind of gets close to church time. But the rest of the week, I got a lot of other stuff to do. No, you're supposed to present your body, errorist tense, once and for all time that's supposed to be a permanent reality that becomes the foundation upon which you do everything else from that point forward. So, number one, how do you live a life of worship? You present your body, and that is to be the physical body. It's to be presented once and for all time. And then number three, you're to present it just as you are. Present it just as you are. We might be tempted to ask, why would God want my body? I'm pretty tempted to ask that. 
The older I get, the question looms a little larger on the horizon for me. Why would God want my body? He knows every blemish and every flaw and every smell, and yet specifically, He says, I want you to present, Brad, your physical body. I want you to think about the great truth that is included in this call by God for us to present our physical body. And the truth is this. God wants your body just like it is. He doesn't want you to get yourself all cleaned up and fixed up and say, okay, now I am ready to present myself to God fully once and for all time in my body. No, He wants you just the way you are. He wants you with all of your flaws, with all of your failures, with all of your habits, with all of your addictions. He wants you just like you are to present what you are in your body to him and say, regardless of what is true of me, God, I am giving you all of myself right now, this day, my body to you. You know, every other religion in the world wants you to fix yourself up before you can come to God. And Christianity wants you to, number one, initially in your sin and condemnation and lostness, Throw yourself upon the mercies of God so that you're remade. And then He wants you to take your body, which is full of flaws and imperfections, still the seed of sin and temptation. And He wants you to take that and to present that to Him and say, God, I have a lot of problem with it, and you're probably going to as well, but I am presenting it to you, my body, fully, once and for all. Take it. Use it. It's yours. God wants your body with its problems. He wants your body that's still the seed of sin and temptation. He wants you just the way you are. He'll take you that way and says to us in the Word, the reason I want you to Give it to me just like it is because you can't clean it up, but I can. You can't do it, but I've got the power to help you become in the body what you already are spiritually before me. And I'll join with you and I will work in you through my spirit to help you become in the physical form over a lifetime what you already are in my eyes before me spiritually. And so God says, come as you are. Make the definitive decision that you are going to take this body as a follower of Jesus just like it is and say, God, 
solemn commitment before you this day, this body is yours. Help me to give it to you so that it can be used for you and your glory as an act of worship. So the first thing Paul says regarding what it looks like to live a life of worship is to present your body. And then secondly, how are you to present your body? Look again at verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. As a living sacrifice. Not as a dead sacrifice, as a living sacrifice. Meaning, God, I'm going to live for you. Not a dead sacrifice. Let me clarify an important spiritual truth in case this might be confusing. You cannot offer your body to God as a sacrifice to pay for sin, period, ever. Jesus did that for you. So this offering to God, your body, is not an offering of atonement, To cover sin, it's a living sacrifice, meaning what you are doing is you're saying as you present your body, God, this physical body is yours, and what I want to do is I want to live the life that you have given me in Christ for you. It's really a statement of behavior. It's a statement of lifestyle. It's a statement of action. I like the way John Piper states this. Let me just read a few sentences here from Mr. Piper. Let every act of your body demonstrate that God is your treasure. Let every act of your body show that Christ is more precious to you than anything else. Let every act of your body be a death to all that dishonors Christ. You see, if we are living sacrifices then the actions of our body are acts of worship. And the overarching principle is that we're to live lives of worship. And so Paul says, here's what that's going to look like. You present your body, the physical thing that you intersect the world with through actions, that which interprets what's intangible in you and makes it tangible, you present that aspect of who you are to God as a daily living sacrifice once and for all. That's the reasonable response based upon the mercies of God in your life through Jesus Christ. Then third, he says something else. Look again at verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Holy and acceptable to God. What does it mean to present your body as a lifestyle of worship, a body that is holy and acceptable? 
Well, holiness, one of the key ideas of holiness in Scripture is set apart. Something that is set apart or dedicated to God, dedicated for the purposes of God. That we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice dedicated to the purposes of God. For a little more clarity, let's utilize one of the key principles for properly interpreting Scripture. One of the greatest principles for interpreting Scripture is that Scripture interprets Scripture. That when you need some more clarity on a verse, look to the rest of the Word of God to give you clarity, particularly verses from the same author, especially verses within the same letter from the same author that have that same context to bring out the meaning of that author. And we have just such a verse a little earlier in Romans from the same author in the same letter, Romans 6.13, where Paul is talking about presenting something to God. Let's look at it, Romans 6.13. Romans 6.13. Paul writes, Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Do you see the similarity here between this verse in Romans 12.1? Just like he does in Romans 12.1, Paul here in Romans 6 is telling us to present something to God. What? We're to present ourselves to God. And specifically, he tells us that we're to present our members to God. Members of what? Well, Romans 6, 12 tells us the what. And the what of Romans 6, 12 is our mortal bodies. We are to take the members of our mortal bodies, same thing in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, our physical bodies. We're to take the members of those bodies and present them to God as instruments of righteousness or to present them to God, Romans 12, 1, holy and acceptable to Him. So what are the members that Paul is writing about in Romans chapter 6, 12, the member, 6, 13, the members of our body? It'll help us get some more insight into Romans 12, 1. And here's what the members are. They're the components of your physical body. They're your eyes and your hands and your feet and your arms, and your legs, and your lips, the members of your body. So what does it mean to present your bodies to God as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to Him, it means that you take the members of your body and you present them to God, the individual pieces of your body, your hands, your feet, your lips, your eyes. 
and you present them to God and say, God, these are holy unto you, dedicated unto you. Set apart for you. That's what a life of spiritual worship looks like. When we present to God our physical bodies to Him, holy and blameless, the members of our body dedicated to Him and His works, Him and His ways, Him and His truth. Just a couple of verses, and then I'll wrap this up to illustrate there could be so many things that we put under the lips and the hands and the feet and the eyes and the different members of our body, ways that we would describe what actions are that are acts of worship from the members of our body dedicated to God. Let me just give you a few examples from Scripture. Matthew chapter 6, 3 and 4. Matthew chapter 6, 3 and 4. Here's an example of your hands, members of your body, doing acts of worship to God. Matthew 6, 3 and 4. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. That's an act of worship. As you don't live for self, but you love other people because God who bought you with a price loves other people, and so you have the same love that God has, and so you minister to other people out of what He's blessed you with. You meet their needs. You take things with your hands, and you meet their needs. When you do that with the right motive in your heart, that becomes an expression externally of an act of worship to God. That's a lifestyle of worship. So many other ways that we can use our hands as an act of worship. Tim Center that we're sending to Sudan, he's going to go and use his hands as an act, as acts of worship to God in Sudan, ministering to the needs of those in that medical clinic. He's going to use his lips there as he speaks truth. Those are acts of worship to God. Your feet. Here's a way that you can use your feet. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. This is your feet and your lips and your hands. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You take your feet and with your feet you walk to where you can proclaim with your lips 
the good news of Jesus and show with your hands the love of Jesus so that disciples can be made. Those are acts of worship. I'm going to give you one that maybe I'd put under the category of the strength of your body. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. How applicable this is to every one in the marketplace here and in the home, everyone. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Did you know that? When you engage your vocational responsibilities or your work as a housewife or a mother in the home or whatever it is that you do, whatever you do, you as a follower of Jesus are to do that as service unto the Lord. I mean, even if you've got a brutal boss, you're to work so hard at what you do, doing the best in what you do, so that you are serving by that the Lord. You're doing it as an act of worship unto the Lord. Every believer is to engage the responsibilities that lie before them like that. A wholehearted effort in all that you do. You know, that's how I look at the life of Jesus. That's just how he lived. He lived all in in all that he did. All in in all that he did. We're to live all in in all that we do as an act of worship to the Lord. This might sound ridiculous to you, but if you have a hobby that you really enjoy, you may understand this. Uh, My family, we love to ride motorcycles, dirt bikes, all six of us. And we get out there and we do that hard, but it becomes an expression quite often of worship because out of the enjoyment of that, it leads us to thank and praise God just for the camaraderie as the family and what we see when we're doing that. Remember the Chariots of Fire movie? That runner ran as an act of worship to God. You see, everything that you do as you engage the world through the strength of your body and the abilities of your body all of those abilities and strengths were given from God and become, can become acts of worship for you as you are expressing your praise to God for the ability to do those things and enjoy those things and accomplish those things. Again, your lips. Listen to this, parents. Look, up, look at how your lips can be an act of worship Deuteronomy 6, 5 to 7. Deuteronomy 6, 5 to 7. Page 151. If you have one of the Bibles from the back. 
incredible, incredible, kind of comprehensive verse that gives great instruction to parents. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Pause right there for a minute. That sounds a little bit like Colossians, doesn't it? I mean, everything all out for God. Then verse 6, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Take the truth of God and pour it into your life. Make it a central part of your life. Hide it in your heart. And then verse 7, You shall teach them, teach what? The truth of the Word of God that you've learned. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you rise, when you lie down and when you get up, when you're going out and when you're coming in. In other words, as you live your life, constantly as you live your life, parents, The Word of God is to be overflowing out of your life because it's flowing in your life and you have such a love for God there that it bubbles up within you and you talk about God's truth with your kids, with your lips. You know what that is? That's an act of worship. It's an act of worship. That's you using one of the members of your body as an act of spiritual worship to God. When you use the members of your body in these ways and others like them, you're being a living sacrifice. Said again, when you live like this, you are giving the strongest possible evidence that you can that you're building your life on the mercies of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Said one more way. When you live your life in these ways, doing things like these and countless others like them, what you are doing is your life is becoming a life of worship, which is your reasonable service, which is exactly what your life should be if you're a follower of Christ based upon the mercies of God and what He's done for you. So let me just close with this and tell you where we're going next week. What Paul is doing here, please don't miss the obvious. Paul is making an appeal to us that we present our bodies to God as a life and an act of worship once and for all time to Him. Have you ever done that? As a follower of Christ, it's possible that you did that when you got saved in your mind that you actually had the maturity to think through that, but there's a really good chance that you didn't. 
and I just don't want to miss the obvious call an appeal of Paul, ultimately, I believe, of God, who is saying, what I want you to do, based upon what I've done for you, is to make the definitive decision, mark it down on a day in your life, this day, right here, I determined, based upon who God is and what He has done for me in Jesus, that I am going to give my life to Him, meaning my body. I am going to dedicate the members of my body to be set apart, holy unto God, used for Him and His purposes, so that whatever I do, I am doing it as an act of worship to God I owe God that. God deserves that. It's the only reasonable response to the mercies of God. Have you done that? If you haven't done that, I encourage you, do that today. Say, well, Brad, what if I do that and then I make a mistake? And tomorrow or next week or next month... I take one of the members of my body and I do something that I shouldn't do with it. I'm not talking about you making the determination that it's perfect from here on out. That's not what I'm talking about. I am talking about you coming to the conviction in your heart to what Paul is calling you to do as a response to the mercies of God and to say, I realize I am not my own anymore. I'm bought with a price, and that price is the death of the Son of God. And what I'm going to do is to be a living sacrifice. Yes, a living sacrifice, unlike a dead one, can get up and crawl off the altar tomorrow. Yes, but I am going to make a decision that I'm going to live on the altar and that when I crawl off, I'm going to come back and throw myself back on the altar in repentance because that's going to be the direction of my heart from this day forward. Even if at times it's not the direction of my hands and my lips and my feet, but it's always going to be the direction of my heart. And when I blow it, I'm going to come back in repentance and Push in again at living out that once and for all decision to present my body to God as a living sacrifice. I believe that is what Paul is calling for, ultimately what God is calling for as the only reasonable thing that we can as humans do because of the mercies of God. But the second aspect to that is this. Until you are saved, you cannot do that. You have nothing to present to God. The only thing that you can present to God as a living sacrifice is that which God has made alive. And if you are still in your sin and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, then you're dead in sin. You don't have a living sacrifice to present. So what has to happen first is you have to put your faith in Jesus Christ who died for you and rose again to pay for your sin and to give you eternal life. And if you are sensing 
today that you want to do that. I want to tell you that what's happening is the Spirit of God is regenerating you and giving you the life to hear and see and understand and the desire to make that decision. He's giving you the faith in Jesus so respond to Him in trust to the person of Jesus Christ then you will have a living sacrifice with which to offer. Then what you can do is give back to God what He's given to you. Because if anyone is in Christ, He's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And when you get that new life, then you have the life that you can offer back to God as a living sacrifice that He will accept. He will accept it. Because He accepts it in the Son. The holy, sacrificial Son. Then what we're going to do next week, I want to highlight this just to whet your appetite here. What we're going to do next week is we're going to look at two great truths from chapter chapter 12, verse 2. First of all, we're going to discover the key that will enable us to do what I'm talking about today, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, as acts of worship. There is a key a great key principle that enables that to happen. We'll look at it next week. And then secondly, we're going to discover the principle on how to determine what the will of God is. You ever ask that question, God, what's your will? We're going to look at the principle on how to discover what the will of God is. So I encourage you to come back next week. Would you please stand? Let me close us. In a word of prayer, the altars are open. I'd like you to come this morning if you want to present your body to God as a living sacrifice once and for all time. Come and do that this morning. Or if you just need to pray about anything, the altars are open. Or you can kneel along the front here. One of our elders or intercessors will come and pray for you. And God will answer and do a work through that. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I, again, I thank you for your truth. I thank you that you, through your Son, give us a new life that we can offer back to you. Lord, I'm just praying that there would be some very definite decisions today related to that. I know how you've been speaking to my own heart. I sure stand before you not as one who has this figured out in practical application. I believe I understand the truth of it, but I have a lot to do in the working out of that truth. And as I pray for your spirit to help me, I pray the same for those that are here. Pray that you would empower us by your spirit to live lives of worship as we take the members of our body and dedicate them to you and use them 
in acts of worship in all that we do. And then, Lord, I pray for those that are here this morning that you're waking up to the truth of Christ, that you're revealing Christ to and his excellency and his sacrificial death for them and resurrection power that is available to them. I thank you for the work of the Spirit in regeneration. And then I'm praying that you would just so move upon hearts here that are lost and dead in sin by your life-giving power to wake them up, give them life, grant them faith and repentance that they would run to you and trust in you and experience the new life that you give. Thank you, Lord. Let's commit that to you in worship for your glory. I just pray that the acts of my lips, one of the members of my body this morning, were acts of worship to you. In Jesus' name, amen.